When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, and welcome to the first proper episode of 2023. I hope you all had a good Christmas and New Year. And I hope you're all full of vigour, determination and positive vibes for the year ahead. Well, I should say, if you haven't done so already, go and listen to the last episode, 204. It was a rundown of all the episodes of 2022. And it wasn't until I compiled the list that, well, I realised what a bloody amazing year that we've had. But likewise, what a smashing year we've got ahead of us. And we've got a couple lined up where, to be be honest, I can't even believe they've agreed. But enough of the amazing people in the future. Let's talk about an amazing person today. For episode 205, I'm taking you to meet Jemima Sara. Her work is immediate and very much made in the moment. She tells of everyday life, female empowerment and more so her mental health. Which in this episode she speaks very open and honestly about. She has quite a chronic OCD, which she can trace directly back to a specific happening when she was a child. A part of which, as you'll hear, I found absolutely astonishing. And Jemima has one of those amazing personal stories. One of those things where something really quite bad happens for a really good reason. Whether it be stars aligning, a higher being, fate, coincidence, whatever name you want to put to it. And I think it's only right of me to mention that in this episode we do speak quite deeply about cancer. So if you've been affected by it yourself and you don't think you're quite ready to um, take part in a conversation or, you know, at least listen to a conversation where that is being mentioned, as soon as you hear about diagnosis, just fast forward a couple of three minutes and all is fine today. 
Well, this episode was recorded several weeks ago, so I did contact Jemima just prior to recording this intro to see if there was anything I could mention that she's got coming up. And she did say, although she's super busy on several different projects, she's got to keep them all under wraps for reasons she wouldn't even tell me. A proper woman of mystery. But she did mention in this coming March, she's got an exhibition in Rome, which I think we covered in this uh, episode anyway. So, please come along with me to meet Jemima Sara. Sorry, I'm back. <laughs> the shop looks good though. Are you coming away from the shop? Yeah, so I'm actually, my last day in the shop, it was on Sunday and I'm packing down today and tomorrow. Yeah. Right, and, and is there a reason for that? Because I, I won't go into it. Yeah, no, no, there is a reason. I mean, we can talk about it. Um, I had like a really serious health scare um, in, um, sorry. No, he's all right, he's all right. Um, I had like a really serious health scare in kind of September and I couldn't poo. And it was ironic because I make loads of art around poo and toilets. And then basically um, I had like loads of tests and a biopsy and all these different things and they they basically found a tumor on my pelvis oh well okay and it threw my whole life into perspective so September was basically doing all these tests and stuff and I was like what do I really want what do I like really need and it was basically not the shop and I just wanted to focus on doing art and being me brilliant um I'm happy to talk about everything but um yeah two separate incidents I basically had a moped crash um, (laughs) and it set like my whole body into shock and my bowels basically froze but then because they were doing loads of CT scans um for like why isn't why isn't she pooing they found the tumor in a CT scan and they were like oh that's weird. <laughs> right, who'd have thought a motorbike accident would have been lucky, right? Right? I was like, it's all because of the motorbike accident. That's why I laughed when you said you had a motorbike accident. I knew where the story was going. <laughs> Superb. Yeah. And it's, is it fine? Yeah, no, it's, it's um, I On the 3rd of October, I basically went in and it's, it's benign. Um, and I thought I needed surgery, but there... I think they're just kind of like gonna watch me. Just gonna leave it, yeah. Good on you. Well done. Oh, well done. You know, good, good on you as well. It's like one of those things, and then it just slaps you around the face, like you could have this thing, and then you're like, oh my god, like my body is like doing a weird thing. Yeah, and, and doesn't it take you to a strange place when you get told that you've got that tumor and we're gonna find out, you know, whether it's active or not. That, yeah. that little space in your life, which, you know, on the scale of things is fuck all, is the yeah. most traumatising, mind-bending month, if you like. It's awful. Like, it was so intense. Like, it was two weeks. And it was funny because I was sharing my poo story on social media. So I had, like, <laughs> loads yeah. of people asking me, like, have you pooed yet? Have you pooed yet? And, like, people would come into the shop and be like, have you had a shit yet? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And I had to keep updating people about yeah. my Whilst, literally, whilst I was kind of like going under like tests and MRI scans for cancer. And I was like, this is wild. Like, yeah. this, is, this is what social media is. It's like this fake um, persona that you have. Yeah. I mean, I was finding out about the poo at the same time. I wasn't lying, but it was a weird two weeks. Like I was going to London all the time for tests. And like my boyfriend was like, you know, maybe you should stop sharing the poo story, you know, like, 
I, I don't think it's helping me. And I was like, no, the poo story is keeping me sane. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> He's giving you something to focus on. This definitely won't go in, but how long was it that you didn't have a poo for? You can put it in. It was three, it was three weeks in the end. Right. Now, I'm, I'm sort of with you on this, right? Because I don't know if you know my background, if Becky told you, but my, my art life started in prison. Okay, nice. And when I went from a high security prison into a medium security prison, and I no longer had all of these rules and rigid structure, I mean, it was still a, stru a prison structure, but there were so many freedoms and it fucked my head up. And I didn't have a poo for 11 days. Yeah. And I was getting concerned, but I was still eating fucking three meals a day. <laughs> and like, you know, all right, it was only prison food, but you know, I'm still eating regular. And I'm like, I was thinking that I'm going to sort of grow and grow and grow and burst. You know? <laughs> yeah. When it finally did happen, I, I thought it was going to, oh, oh, sorry. No, I no, it was going to rip it. me apart. <laughs> and it was just a normal one. I know, me too. And I was like, where's it gone? Literally, my friends were like, like, tell me about the thing. Like, how did it happen? Like, Was it like giving birth? Yeah, like, literally, like, how big was it? Did you block the toilet? And I was like, it was actually so overwhelming. Like, I had, like, three poos in the day, and it was just, like, normal-sized poos. And I was really upset because I I weighed myself before and after. But it wasn't even, like, that much of a difference. Brilliant. Yeah, you lost three stone in a matter of 10 minutes. God damn it. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. I'll tell you what, this is probably the best start to a podcast I've ever done. <laughs> but things things are good now, yeah? Oh, yeah, things are good now. And has it left you scarred mentally? Or are you all right? Have you, have you got a hold of that? Because I know it's a, a weird rodeo to try and get a hold of. I think that my, I'm like, honestly, this sounds like maybe too much information, but every time I have a poo at the moment, I'm like blessing the poo. Like the sensation, I'm like, this is amazing. Yes, Excellent. bodily functions, yes. But then at the same time, I'm kind of like, I'm just like, what is going to like drive my life forward? And I feel like at the whole life, like politicians, impending doom, cost of living crisis, everything. Um, it's just like made me just be like, what do I actually need? And I yeah. think it's just like basic needs. Like I just want to, I'm, I've been self-employed for ages. And I just want to take annual leave holiday. Like I just want like maybe like a part-time job where I can like know what I'm going to get paid each month. Know that I can go. Just take responsibilities away for a little while. Literally. Mental precious, I, yeah. I just want a, like a rest for like six months to just like basically be like, oh, I can take a rest and I don't have to work like this yeah. is um, because I don't think it's really talked about when you're self-employed that it's like the feeling of like you can't take holiday because you're you have to work because you or like you can't be ill like my boyfriend got ill the other day with the flu that's going around and I was like downing paracetamol and downing like um, vitamins like I was like think I was like taking like three tablets of vitamin c a day I was like I'm like overdosing myself on vitamin c yeah, just yeah. because I don't want to get ill and I was like this isn't right so I think it's just left me being like I don't want to live like that anymore basically yeah. I mean you may well go back to it but Maybe. you obviously just need a break from it yeah it's a it's a big thing I mean when when you've been working for someone for years 
then go self-employed, whether it's for an artist, uh, uh, sorry, whether it's as an artist, a builder, a, a hairdresser, yeah. what have you, your work rate goes up by about 70%, doesn't it? You know, yeah, the, yeah, hourly, yeah. Yeah, the hours you work. It does, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, you don't get any, uh, any holiday pay as such, do you? I mean, just talking about that subject, ironically, I know you just mentioned it, but you was doing something regarding poo at one time, wasn't you? Yeah. And so, how long ago was that? Uh, not like re really recent. So I like just, I oh, do a man, lot. Of it's mad, isn't it? What? <laughs> that, that you was doing that as a subject and then so, that happened. Honestly, it was so ironic. Like my, my assistant, she was just like, this is, she, she was like, this is weird. She was like, this is like, I can't deal with it. She was yeah. like, I can't actually understand. Like I was making fake poo in July and then at the end of August I was having this health scare so it was kind of really weird and like everyone was like I think that's why I shared it on social media because a lot of people are getting quite a lot of trolls being like oh you're just another artist making poo yeah and I, was like, yeah. And I was like you know what I don't care turns up you was more shocked than anyone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I was I mean I love making work around um like everyday life so I love like using things in our everyday life and turning them into art so I've been doing lots of installations in toilets because I think putting art in places that aren't like white gallery spaces or like just places that we go in our everyday life is nice yeah. um and also like it breaks down this barrier like I'm an artist and I get scared of walking into galleries or like going to private views I find them so intimidating I'm with you there, yeah. and I just I can't do it whereas if I'm going to a place like if I go into a toilet and it's like covered in graffiti and stuff I'm like this is amazing like this is so just sitting cool. there reading for ages Literally, and it's like Sally did a fart she stinks <laughs> I'm like yes like this is this is it this yeah. is like general expression and really great and not to like put like pretension put like pretense on it but it's really I find it fascinating so I love doing installations in kind of like mundane everyday places yeah. because then everyone has is accessible to it and can take what they want from it instead of I love doing shows in galleries too don't get me wrong but there's just something I love about putting them in weird places yeah I think it's just too it's interesting because um in the toilet you you get a mixture of humor you get a mixture of like really personal things and like you get like you know in the girls toilet sometimes as well you know like you get like if you've been sexually assaulted call this number and it's like whoa like this is but then you get like really funny things at the same time and like really personal things and um, wash your hands after you did a shit like you stinky person or something like that it's kind of like yeah super interesting but also like and and I love that like the layers because that's what we do in everyday life we kind of go through these layers of like one minute we're like yeah this is so fun <laughs> and the next minute we're like oh my god I'm so depressed my life is shit yeah, and, yeah. Uh, every single day so I think I think the graffiti in a toilet does that and it's everyone doing that um, and I get really sad when places paint over it because I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the, the work that you produce, that's in that sort of vein as well, isn't it? You know, it's you're writing what you're thinking at that time. If I could ask you a question, and I know that we're a, a few minutes in already, and most would have um, 
got an idea of what you do. How would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Oh gosh, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> um, so I'm an artist. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> well, it's question number two. Yeah, go on then. <laughs> um, so I studied drawing for my MA in yeah. art. So I focus on tent on drawing, but I do lots of installational work, um, lots of performances, lots of just kind of like paintings on canvases, sculptures, kind of very mixed media or multidisciplinary um I like to I just love working across different things because I get bored quite quickly not in the sense of like I I get bored of doing something but I like to work with lots of different things so that it's appealing to me yeah I I find my I find life really overwhelming so I like to make my work really overwhelming so it's kind of everything all at once um yeah, that's that's how I describe it, but it's probably not very good. The topics that I look into um, are kind of to do with mental health, um, everyday life, identity, liminarity, um, and freedom of expression. Yeah. You you mentioned um, one of the subjects is mental health. Was you using that subject before your recent scare? Yeah, I've been I've been using it since I I started really. I didn't I, when I first started, I didn't know that I was using it, and it took me a couple of years to realize why I started creating was yeah. a literal. Oh, no, exactly what you mean. Yeah, to mental health, um, and I think most most people use creativity, whether it be dancing, singing, drama, anything, as a form to to help process um, mental health stuff and yeah it was one of my main reasons why I started for sure and if you don't mind me prying have you had mental health issues in the past yeah I, I mean I still do um a lot so I'm and my artwork stems from in kind of 2016 I mean throughout my whole teenager existence I had a really bad eating disorder like many oh, okay. girls do and then I kind of I've moved around a lot and um my main home was in Italy but in 2016 there was an earthquake so it kind of devastated my home and it was like oh, natural wow. disaster central like was you there at the time no no luckily I was away um and so was my family but going back it was like I can't actually go home so wow. it's it was a really weird time and like when I did go back no one really tells you that when there's an earthquake, the land's unstable for about a year. So okay. you're, you're going after earthquake, after earthquake, after earthquake, after earthquake. And so people just move away. Like there's no kind of instant rebuild. It's kind of like the land is unstable. Settling itself, yeah. Yeah, and, and so like, towns just flee. And so when you go back there, it's just, it's like your local town just gone, pretty wow. much. Um, and so that kind of really left me feeling messed up and I had kind of like incident after incident I used to live on a houseboat and it got burgled and I was just feeling like really bad basically and I just didn't know what to do anymore and I was at university at the time and I had a breakup and I was like and then it was kind of like I just started drawing these naked ladies with martini glasses who loved themselves nice and ended up like putting them on social media and people were like these are cool and then I drew like tits on t-shirts and I'd sell them to my friends 
And that's, that's how I started. And I can now see why it was a, it was a freedom of expression thing that I yeah. never had before, but it was a way of coping with all the shit that was happening. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's how I am why I started. But since then, like I have really bad OCD. Um, and so that the, the drawing thing helps with that as well. Wow. Cause I mean, you say you got really bad OCD, but your, your artwork is so loose. I mean, I don't know what, you know, what, what sort of OCD you've got. I mean, looking behind you, that's, you know, everything's in perfect proportion and that sums up now what I can see, but your artwork is so loose and it's, it's sort of as if that's the, the, the sort of freedom that you're giving yourself to get away from the OCD. Yeah, so it is. I mean, I OCD, I have, I have checking OCD. So basically I'm constantly in my mind in fight or flight mode and constantly scared that something bad's going to happen. And I, I, it stems from the earthquake. Um, so my coping mechanism is to like check every single switch, wow. every single yeah. plug socket, yeah. every single like smell of gas. And I, it takes me about an hour before I go to bed. Wow. Um, and it's so long and so boring and I can finally talk about it, but it's the, I think the drawing is a way of me being like, this is the only way I can like let go of control and like just free the step. Yeah, go, com the pendulum swings completely the opposite direction with your art. Beautiful. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's, that's probably why it's um, so crazy. <laughs> and I can imagine you're, your boyfriend is constantly looking at his watch, waiting for you to. He's so annoying. Like, we, yeah, we've had like it's been really tough on him, bless him. But he's yeah. he's been super supportive, um, and I have got loads better. It got it got really bad in lockdown, um, but that's because we were like crammed into one environment. Yeah. And then recently, obviously, I, I have therapy, and it's got a lot better, and like I've changed a lot with what I do, but something triggers it and then yeah. I fall into it and he knows now he knows that he'll go to bed and sometimes I like don't even bother and I just go straight to bed with him or sometimes he'll be lying in bed and I can hear him switch out the light and that's like he like he knows that I'm feeling anxious yeah. basically yeah. um which is which is like we 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 have like yeah yeah we we talk about it all the time but I think he bless him he has struggled with this part of me because it's, it's, it's tough like me going for nights out I have to do all of the checks before I go yeah um because I because I'm gonna get drunk and then I can't come back and I can't do the checks it's like it impacts your life so much and it's so hard to like someone's like we'll just stop doing them then and I'm like I can't just no, stop no. because it's a coping mechanism so it's like to me to cope with the intrusive thoughts that come into my mind I need to check if everything's okay basically yeah um but yeah so it's it's just it's one of those things that sometimes I'm like I don't need to do anything <laughs> look at me <laughs> yeah I'm healed <laughs> like I always look back to like you know before I had this and I look back and I'm like how did I live my life it, it actually makes me really sad because I'm like, I used to not care, like, but instead 
like it's funny that you say about the one two three four because so there's four gas hobs on my gas oven so I did one two three four so now every time I check something I count to four and I know it stemmed from the gas one two three four um and it blows my mind because it's just how how basically in I've done a lot of work with it and I'm really trying to get better but our brain creates like trenches so my this trench of like doing the checks checks is like embedded of like three years of me being like I have to do them so it's like an embedded trench and basically I just need to fill that trench up and make a whole new one and are you able to do that over time but you really have to work on it so it's like I will check all the plug sockets but I won't check like the water for example and then I can sleep because I know I've done something but I haven't done everything or I'll just check all the fire alarms and then I'll go to bed um and the more I do that the less I have to do yeah it's just about filling the trenches up and, and doing and finding it's new just it's like an addiction Jemima isn't it's it an, it is because, it's you, know, you, you, you have your fix and then mm-hmm. you're fine yeah no, no no it is an addiction like it it's I'm basically addicted to making sure that I'm safe which is like really weird yeah. <laughs> um and like when I try and my best friend of all time and she like I've known her since I was eight years old she she came to stay with me after lockdown and she lives in Italy and she's like a wild child like <laughs> the opposite everything. to you yeah literally like she does not care and like we used to be wild trials together so when she saw that I was like really struggling and like doing all these checks she was like I'm mind blown and she was like I don't understand it she was like I just don't get it and I was like it's not for you to understand no. I was like it's a basically a coping mechanism which has now taken over my life and I just need to find a way to a new way to cope with it um yeah it's it's an interesting one um but yeah I am slowly getting better I think I hope and and your art does help you with that massively yeah so I can just talk about it through my art and I think also talking about it with someone else it just makes them understand because you because even with my studio assistant, I went away to Italy for a week and it was like, I had to put up a little board being like, I have OCD, sorry. Can you check that the taps are off? Can you check that this is off? Oh, even while you're not there, it needs to be done. It needs, yeah. Wow. So, so I like had to say to her, look, like this is a thing I have and I'm really, really sorry. But even if you say if you don't do it and you just say to me, yeah, I did it. Fine. Well, if you, sorry for this, but it's fascinating for me. So, yeah. If you've left your home and you're asking for those checks to carry on, do you leave those checks at home? So if you stayed in a hotel for the night, would you have to do it in the hotel? No, no, no. Wow. It's only in my home. This is this is yeah. what I know. It's really annoying. So I love going on holiday or to like friends' houses. So you're leaving it behind. So I can like go and be free. I know. So I like when, for example, like me, I think my boyfriend really noticed it. We went camping, glamping, and we stayed in like this bougie yurt with like loads of our friends. And I, um, yeah, I was like drinking, having a great time. Wow. Didn't care about anything. And he was like, I haven't seen you like this since before lockdown. And I was like, yeah, because we're stuck in our home. And it is, it's basically what's happened is, is that 
my home because I've never really had one and then I lost my home to an earthquake yeah what's happened is that I'm so protected about my home that I can't relax in it but anywhere else that I am I'm like woo, 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 woo. <laughs> wow that's fascinating brilliant should we talk about some art <laughs> did you have art in the home growing up or creativity at least no not really my my both of my parents are really creative um my mum is like an interior designer so she she's like loves like not like a, a fancy interior designer she is very much upcycling painting yeah, yeah. And furniture and buying it cheap and then kind of like making it beautiful and then my dad was a pilot so n- not particularly not commercial yeah so it was kind of like we didn't we never really talked about art. I never really went to exhibitions. We went to go and see like a lot of musicals and and theatre. Yeah. But never, we never really had art at home in the sense of like, un, and I never really understood what it was. So when did you get introduced to it? Whilst I was at uni and I started to draw naked ladies and stuff. What were you studying at uni? I studied puppetry, which sounds really. Is that a course? <laughs> it, it was, yeah. No they, strings they, attached. Literally, <laughs> That's it. They, they've um, they've cancelled the course now. <laughs> oh, for what reason? <laughs> <laughs> I think lack of funding. <laughs> puppetry. That's mad. Um, and my parents are like, "Oh my god, what is she doing?" But I, I really wanted to do drama, um, so I went to a drama school, and it's a long story, but. I hated school and there was one year of school left and I was in lower sixth and I went to an open day at drama school and they were like oh we have like two places left on the puppetry course if anyone wants to apply and I was like you know what I'm just gonna ask them if I can leave school a year early and go onto this course and they basically said yes so I didn't do my A levels and I just went straight to uni. (laughs) Well done. Um, And they were like but I was really, I was young. Um, I wasn't like the same age as everyone else, but no. it, was, it was interesting. And I realized that I hated drama and actors weren't for me very quickly, but I yeah. found a new love for art um, and making and craft and all that stuff. Did you complete the degree? Yeah. So you fell in love with art or discovered art. You knew that that was for you. How long between finishing your BA to start in your MA? So I finished my BA and then I kind of at the same time I in my second at the end of my second year I launched Jemima Sara and at the time I thought I'll make a brand I'll sell t-shirts I'll do um, I'll sell postcards and it'll be a brand yeah. and then kind of during the second year I started to work with like companies and they would ask for my artwork in their shops and they would they would like there was a big moment when they got they commissioned me to do all the artwork for a shop in Hong Kong and it was like this is really amazing I can get paid to do this what that's amazing hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Yeah, and then I realized I, I didn't really want to be known as a brand. Yeah. And I never really, I never really trained as an artist. So I didn't really understand that what it was, what it was to be an artist. And to yeah. call yourself an artist is a quite a scary thing. So, yeah, but so is calling yourself a brand yeah exactly but I I don't know why I felt more comfortable with calling myself a brand than I did an artist is it so I, would it be that calling yourself a brand tells you that it's just financial it's a business rather yeah. than a lifestyle if possible possibly and I think um also my family was um very much like you know creativity wasn't really seen as a as a a, a career yeah yeah so it, it was it was very much like oh I can't do that thing and then it when I went and did my master's I think so I, I did my master's two years after my BA in what um, sorry and um, fine art drawing um, and I just realized that I I am and it's like in my blood and and it's funny because I find that most artists they're an artist and then they have to make a brand to become like a successful artist, yeah, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I did it the other way. So I'm, I made a brand and then realized I was an artist. And then I'm now trying to like go back to like edit the brand that I made. Yeah, yeah. To become- And is that an easy journey? That is really complicated because I've done lots of commercial collaborations. And during my MA, one of my tutors was like, you're a sellout. Oh, that's nice of a tutor to tell you, isn't it? Well, right? Boy. I was like, um, no. <laughs> um, wow. So it, it was, I was really upset. And for a long time, I was like, I'm just going to stop selling T-shirts. I'm going to stop selling postcards. And I was like, you know what? No, actually, the, these things are part of my journey and, and have helped me fund being an artist. And I don't have like a big lump sum behind me to help me just do art. So actually, if I sell five T-shirts, that pays for my website. And if I sell like two prints, that pays for like my rent. And I don't really want to stop doing that because it's a nice thing to do. And also the accessibility factor of people having your artwork and they can't afford to buy a painting is another thing that's really important to me. So I have it. It's complicated because parts of me are like, oh, I'll never be seen as like a you know a fine fine artist but then I'm like I'm not that actually either yeah. so 
I'm, you, I'm a sellout. <laughs> what the fuck? I can't get my head around that. I mean, you go into, into the shop at the Tate and there'll mm -hmm. be, I mean, Cornelia Parker has just finished. You go into the shop in the Tate and she's got loads of stuff for sale. Yeah. So if they can do it, why can't I do it? Is it just because I'm at the start of my journey that I'm, I can't, I have to be really exclusive with my work? Is that what it is? But I don't think it is. I think it's just mindsets and views and this old way of looking at the art world with it being really exclusive and and not for everyone it, no. but it can be and I think it should be and I think that for me creating merch as I call it now has been really lovely because it means that like I when I had to shop in Ramsgate you know like people would come in and they you know they were on the bread line but they could afford to buy a one pound postcard of my work totally. and, and they connected it with it. And they were like, I love this. And I was like, I'm so glad that you can come in and you can buy this and you can connect with it. And you're going to put it in a, on your wall or you're going to put it on your bedside table and you're going to really enjoy it because that means more to me than it being, than making a painting and it being in the back of someone's house that won't be truly appreciated. Yeah. I think it really opened my eyes to everyone deserves to enjoy art. And at the moment, not many people do because yeah. they don't have access to it. Brilliant. So I'm going to always do merch. I think it's great. Yeah. And also, you know, we live in a capitalist society, unfortunately. And for me to make money on the side and live and provide for myself in a, in a way is also healthy. Obviously, if I'm making like loads and loads of money, then I probably wouldn't do that or I'd donate something to it just to be mindful of yeah. other things. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not at the moment. Um, so it's, it's a nice way for me to survive as an artist and also um, feel like people can connect with my work from all different kinds of backgrounds. Yeah. And when did you move down to, to Ramsgate? About a year and four months ago. And was that a good mental move as well once you got there yeah I mean it for me it was um the the problem was is that I'd never even in London I was moving around all the time in lockdown we moved twice which was really weird <laughs> it was so annoying and so I was like just desperate to like move somewhere and it just be stable Set I was foundations like, yeah I just want this is all I want is I just want stability and so we decided to move out of London and we looked at like Folkestone, Margate, and then we looked at Ramsgate. Well, my boyfriend looked at Ramsgate and he was like, I love Ramsgate. And I was like, okay, fine, let's just move there. And I didn't yeah. even see, I didn't see Ramsgate. I didn't really see the house before we moved. I think I came to visit once. And you opened up a Jemima Sarah studio. shop studio there. And I've, I see a photograph. It, it looks like a high-end clothes shop from the outside. And you go in and there's all this freedom on the inside. Yeah. And Someone said it looked like a, a wedding dress shop. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> it was a sort of very dark grey with white, yeah. solid writing um, as a signage on the outside. And then yeah. you go inside and it's craziness. But I think what summed it up, I see you. there was a little... Um, sign on the window that said hello welcome to my mind you're free to roam around inside <laughs> totally sums up what that whole thing was to, to me anyway yeah no I think 
And it was funny because I made that sign as like, oh, I'm opening what's like, I need just something to draw people in. And that sign was so popular. Like people would come in and on, and on the floor when people entered, I had art is subjective. Well, this is my mind. You can either love it or hate it. I don't care. And people walked in and they were like, and they were so honest. They were like, it was like going to an art crit every day, yeah, which is yeah. kind of exhausting. But people were like, yeah, art is subjective and I don't really like this. Or people were like, yeah, I really like this. I can really connect with it. And they put their own kind of like what they thought art was onto yeah, it. It connects you with them, yeah. Yeah, um, which is great. But also being open, I think what I found was being putting yourself out there in the world like that every day and working in that environment is so exhausting. Um, yeah. I'd be painting and I think I was making some massive work about money and how I just really wanted money and like because it's like a, a freedom thing and and um, it's not really talked about and I was just making this work and this guy came in and he was like how can you do that how can you do that and he like he was like you know like how can you talk about money like that how how and I was like well everyone's thinking it like, <laughs> yeah. We're all thinking about it. We're all like, most of us are struggling right now. Like, why can't I make work about it? Um, and I was, and I got really upset. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't really want to be put. I don't. It was like being in a fishbowl, and everyone could look in at what I was doing and pick at it. Yeah. But I wasn't allowing myself to actually do what I wanted to do. It was kind of I was just doing it for other people and not for me. Um, and then the tumor scare happened, and I was like. I'm going to be free. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, having a studio in a, in a shop front, it is just people walking past, stopping people who are not associated with the art. So they're seeing it out of context as it were. And because it's a shop, everyone thinks they're entitled to walk in and, and sort of uh, throw their opinions about. And yeah, it's a brave thing to do. Yeah. I, I, I probably wouldn't do it again. Um, <laughs> No, not not having a studio in a space. Maybe maybe like a shop, like a yeah. where you can buy merchandise and, and prints and limited edition prints. But I, I wouldn't have my studio um, out facing to the world again. The work is still being created in the same fashion. Yeah, so I was, I still have like my website online, and I still sell um, through like stockists and stuff for my merch. And then for like I have I work with two galleries that represent me, um, and I do like exhibitions and installations and stuff um, as well. So I will just be moving my studio into just a, a closed environment and, yeah. and still selling online and basically just having more freedom with my yeah. life as well like a, a shop is a tie like it really it really ties you to a place and so when you get asked to do an exhibition or something you have to think oh my god like you know can can you cover on this day can you be open like yeah. and it, it it was just really draining and I couldn't keep doing that I just didn't have the freedom to be like oh I'm gonna go and walk on the beach and do some Thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no yeah. time to yourself. I'm presuming, do you know Margot from Margate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so she does very much the same in Ramsgate. Yeah. Um, She's got herself a shop, or she did have when I last spoke to her. No, she does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was just taking the studio from home somewhere else. Mm. She just happened to find a shop front 
and mm. use that. And I, I don't know, I've not spoke to her for a little while, but is she using it as a shop as well now? Yeah, so she, she is, yeah. And she's just moved actually into a much bigger space, which is really exciting for her. And she's like one of the most supportive, lovely She's people. great, isn't she? Yeah, she's, she's amazing. I actually went to her, I was like having a bit of a difficult time and I went to her and I basically said like I don't know what to do and she just like gave me her time her energy like her expertise and just like you know it's it's really rare when you find someone who's successful and they just want to give and give and give and she's one of those people and it was just is yeah she's really lovely but it, it is a weird one like I work um part-time in marketing as well um a day a week but it Shout just out. It's a fucking corporate, corporate <laughs> sellout. How, how dare I? Honestly, how dare I? Yeah, that's the end of stopping? this. That's the end of this conversation. <laughs> You're not an artist. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't fucking matter, man. That's what fucking annoys me. You could be doing so much fucking worse, or yeah. having to. You know, how about? Jemima, if there was you and five other artists, past or present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh, well, at the moment, I love toilets. So it'd be something surrounding that. Sarah Lucas? Maybe, yeah. Um, I live, I obviously live in Margate, so near Margate, so Tracy Emin would have to be in it too. Yeah. Um, I love David Trigley. Um, now I was going to make that similarity between his and yours. Yeah, I, I I chose not to. His artworks are a daily thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like just like yours are a daily thought, but I didn't want to make that. No, no, no. Because I get, they're, they're so I get close. You know? I get that a lot. Um, I think I I look at David Shrigley's business model, and I am I'm taking his business model as like the merch, the shop, um, and the art, um, and I'm like, if he can do it. I can do it, right? If he can sell his merch and he can sell posters, limited edition prints, I can do it and I'm not a sellout. So that is like, I've taken that business model. Um, in terms of his art, I just love the, I just love how every day it is, uh, yeah. what you said. But yeah, I, I don't know. And I also love the use of text. I use so much text. Um, I also just love how like, if you listen to his interviews, he's just so one word answers. It's just so like, yeah. 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 And and it's just like it's genius. Who else? I don't know. There's an artist that I really love called Lily Van der Stoker. She does like massive wall murals. She she's really uh, one of my top ones. I really love her stuff. Um, and also the fact that she does wall murals instead of like canvases, it yeah, kind of makes yeah. it like you can't really buy it, but it's like an artwork, and also to see murals as an artwork is like pretty cool I find that fascinating yeah. I like my mind's gone blank I've got so many um now this is this is one of those hard questions that does put an artist on the spot because all of a sudden you've got to start thinking about who who you admire who's been an influence how so they might many, sit with you so many people I mean Louise Bourgeois obviously because of the stream of consciousness and this um the kind of psychology behind things like a lot of people ask me as well because it's like art helps my mental health but it's also my career so it's kind of like this double-edged sword of I love doing this thing but it also causes most of the stress in my life yeah um, um one of my when I was doing my BA 
I had a breakup and one of my tutors once said, yeah, you shouldn't ever be in love because you'll make shit art. <laughs> so I told myself that I can never be in a healthy relationship because I'll make bad work. But I think that's really not good. I think no. it worked for Tracy Emin, I suppose, you know. I guess, yeah, I guess so. But I, I think that, um, I think now using art as like a way to, I mean, like using humor, I use a lot of humor in my work to actually figure out a healthier version of ourselves and like yeah. actually process stuff is what we're actually doing. Like we're, you know, we're taking a bad situation or a good situation and we're, and we're, we're making it into a healthier version of that thing. And yeah. I don't, and I think for me, I've had to change the narrative because now I'm now in a, a stable home. I'm now, I've got someone who loves me and I love them and and, and like trying to do good art. So I'm like, what can I do art about? But it, it's about the everyday. Like our, our everyday is gritty and shitty and melancholy, happy, sad. And, but, and they change us so much and you'll get news one day and it'll push you back down to the bottom again, but you might get great news and it'll push you to the top, but you can still make art about both. It doesn't yeah. have to be devastating all the time. It's just about, if you're making work about your mental health and your life, it's just about your life. The best works that have connected to people of mine are the, pe the things that are like just so simple. Like I made a work, it was like, sometimes I just sit in my towel for hours and hours and hours. I saw that one, yeah. And people came in and they were like, oh, I do that. I do that. Yeah. I do that all the time. And, and that's like, the connection. If just something as simple as looking at a picture can bring a little bit of fucking warmth and brightness into someone's day, job done you know literally success. yeah so genuinely success like yeah. when the one thing I'm going to really miss about the shop space is that when people came in and they they would connect with it when someone like I had someone um actually emailed me and was like look I'm into art and I read that you do a lot of art about mental health can I come work in your shop and I went back like I can't pay you but like of course you can come and like hang out with me and we can talk about art and he was just so grateful and I was just like I felt weird because I was like I'm just imposter syndrome I'm not anything kind of thing um but the sharing of his story and my story and you sharing your story with me is is the thing that keeps other stories that are so important and it makes me so upset that these stories aren't talked about enough and the actual amazingness of the creativity world like changes everything and is so welcoming but the I feel like the corporate structure behind it makes it so off-putting yeah. whereas when you go directly to the artist and you're like hey I'm this person and I did this they're like that's so cool I do this like yeah. let's exchange like this is amazing but when there's barriers it makes a person on this pedestal and you can't reach it so you're like fuck that and then walk away well what you done for that guy bringing him into your studio just yeah. for a chat for a day for however long is what Margot done for you Mm. who you know you're more you're a, a rung or so up the ladder higher than that guy she's a rung or so up the ladder higher than you mm. and then you know it happened to her as well with um the Turner contemporary inviting her into the shop yeah you know, it's, it's that same thing if, if people above just fucking give the person below a hand up it just keeps that fucking ladder growing doesn't it you know it does it does and I really am for 
this community over competition thing. I think we're drilled into being competitive. Like I think we're told that, you know, you shouldn't really share like what you're doing with the next person next to you. But I think it's a load of bullshit. Like- I agree. My studio assistant. So I, I the reason I hired her was because I got funding to hire someone. Um, and so it's amazing. It's really nice. I can um, pay for someone to be creative and it's because they want to be in the creative industry. And she's an artist and she wants to do an exhibition. And I'm basically, I was there literally yesterday, I was on the phone to her and she was working. And I was like, so we're going to book your exhibition in for um, June. And I don't want you to force you to do anything because I know it's out of your comfort zone, but also at the same time, I want to force you to do something because it's out of your comfort exactly. zone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she was like, so you're not forcing me to do this, but at the same time you're forcing me to do this. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know that she's probably really annoyed at me because I'm making her do this exhibition and she's not got much work ready for it. And she's never done something like this at the time. But I really hope that she will look back in like two years and be like, I would have not have done it if, yeah someone didn't tell me to and it's the same with me like I would have never done this thing unless someone gave me the permission to do it and I think it's a permission thing like you allow yourself to have permission to do something and I think that's what your tutor in prison was saying to you and the artist that you wrote letters to they were like yeah we do this thing yeah that's cool here's a catalog for you and so then you could actively become involved in it it was you were invited to become a part of it well, one of the artists in there, Gary Hume, I don't know if you know of Gary Hume. Yeah. Um, I said to him about like, but the art world isn't for people like me off the council estates. And he replied back, we need people like you in the art world. Yeah. I'm in, I didn't say I'm inviting you in, but the, the letter that he wrote said like, you know, you're on my VIP list. You can yeah. come into the art world. <laughs> but what that done to me, when I went out to galleries afterwards with my fucking chip on my shoulder, because I'm this fucking council estate working class. That was me in a gallery. Mm. And I'm thinking, fucking, no, I'm, I'm not one of these people. And then when, when I start thinking that I'm not a part of that world, and mm. I don't do it so often now, but when I used to, and, and sometimes when I still do, I think of Gary Hume going, no one can tell me mm. that I'm not part of this world because I had a fucking invite from someone who's right up there. Yeah. And they've told me I can come in, whether you lot don't, you know, whether you lot like it or not. Yeah, I'm a part of it, and that's quite empowering, you know. And I think a lot, and I think more people need to be told. And I think it needs to be in education. And I think, I think it just starts as a a child. Anyone from anywhere can be a creative. You know, you can be a dancer, you can be a singer, you can go into the art world. You can you can walk into that gallery, and you can go in, and you will be welcome. And it's terrifying. Even like I walk into galleries and. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a creative and I'm like, I don't belong here. And then I leave and I'm like, this is so sad because all I want to do is look at the work and like be inspired from it. But because of the people in that environment, I don't feel welcome. Um, and so it's just actually like saying to everyone, like you are welcome, you are invited and no matter where you're from or who you are, go for it. Yeah. Like literally just go for it. You've, you've just closed your shop, mm. Stroke Studio. Where is Jemima Sarah today? Have you got yourself a destination or have you just shut up shop for the moment? So, yeah, I'm, I'm moving actually all my stuff to my studio in Margate tomorrow. 
so I found a studio in Margate and I'm moving it all there tomorrow um which I'm really really excited about actually and I've got a few kind of things coming up before Christmas so I just can't wait to get really working on them and just and just feel like for me stability is a really big thing so just feel like stable and get a routine together so yeah. I'd say where I am is just like in my work I explore liminarity quite a lot like, like this transitional period um so at the moment I'm in that state and I don't feel very safe there so I can't wait to feel like secure well you've gone from again you've gone from one extreme which is putting yourself on show op literally opening the door to anyone walking past yeah which is full of dangers as an artist <laughs> now you're going yeah. the opposite way is to sort of not locking yourself away but yeah literally a, so yeah. a solo artist in the studio there's it will come a point when you sort of realize or find even that 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 little point in the middle if there is one mm. um that will that will suffice you know even if it's um you know you said you liked having the public voice mm. maybe it's even just having a fucking market stall every saturday or something you know that sort of uh, i or, think or doing yeah. a pop-up mm. i think there will i think the more i do installation and, and public works that's my yearning like i'm realizing that actually like i put a, a bathroom suite into the royal exchange in the summer and and I love that because loads of bankers came in they were like what is this smelly old toilet doing yeah. here and I could just talk to them and they were like mm, don't get it that's fine but, yeah. but I loved testing their boundaries of like what art was um and what art could be and you know like it was an installation where you could get into the bath and they all got into the bar, like these like nice. proper bankers. And I was like, yeah, get into my bar. <laughs> <laughs> and they like got in and I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> what do you think you'd like to do if you wasn't an artist? Something to do with biology. Oh, I'm like wow. okay. obsessed with, um, yeah, actually the only A I ever got at school was in biology. <laughs> So if there was like another career route, I'd probably do biology. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I love like finding out about that, that science-y stuff. Nice. Could you pull that into your work? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I feel like it's a cleverness thing. I'm always like, I'm not clever enough to do that. Um, yeah, but then that's what some people might, that's what might be holding people back from being an artist. Well, that's it. That is no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. So I, I mean, I was told I'm super dyslexic. So I was told at school for ages that I couldn't read. So now when I make artwork and I have so much text in it and people come in and they're like, you spelt that wrong <laughs> and you're selling it as a print, like people are buying your spelling mistakes. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Like, well, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not, it's a, it's a fucking part of you. So you know, yeah. if, if if your artwork is a rep is a visual representation of of your character or personality, mm. that's a part of it. So changing it wouldn't yeah. be wouldn't and be that's, right. That's what I say. I'm like I I'm not going to change it. Actually, I'm fully embraced in my spelling mistakes. But it's taken me a long time to get that get there because I always thought that I couldn't write. I'm not a writer. I'm not very academic. But then when I first started dating my boyfriend 
he would read my master's dissertation and he'd be like, what are you talking about? You can't write. Like, what, are you, what are you on about? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm not very academic. And he'd be like, shut up. He'd be like, yeah. And also, how can people see your artwork, be it online or social media? I mean, social social media is just Jemima Sara, and then my website's jemimasara.co.uk. Um, but hopefully I'm doing a couple of shows in uh, London soon, and I'm going to be doing a toilet installation very soon too. So. When, when's that likely to be? Any idea? Probably in the new year. I like found a location, then lost a location, then found a location. So I just need to kind of go through all the boring planning things. Well, I think that's all my questions asked. And thank you. It's been a, an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for your uh, for your honesty. No, thank you for having me. And it's been a pleasure speaking to you too. Cool. I'll speak to you soon. Thank See you, you later. Ta-da. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers. We decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, sad art. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.